You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. I'm all fired up. We, we went to a conference in Brooklyn yesterday and uh, just had such an awesome, awesome time. And I'm so thankful for all the people that, you know, we yesterday morning there were people here setting up. And last night when we all came back from this conference, there were people doing work outside as well. So thankful for that. Um, in the past, I always had to do it, but praise God. Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And before I move on, there's one other really cool announcement. Next week, our Emerge group is taking over church. Just like, just like our youth group has done it, the Emerge group is doing it next week, so it's going to be lively. And if you don't know who our Emerge group, it's those that have emerged from youth group and have emerged onto the scene, but haven't yet reached the wise age of 30. Amen? Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came into the region, and I, I'm going to call it today, Caesar Ia and Philip I. <laughs> but in uh, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into that region of Caesar Philip I, that would be the slide before that. Thank you. Um, now, why was it called that? Well, you see a couple names in there, right? You see Caesar and Philip. Now, this was an area that was way north of Israel, in Israel, way north of Jerusalem, north of the Sea of Galilee. And it was a place, at that time, Herod's son, Philip, built the city in honor of Caesar. And it became a place where there were many pagan gods, specifically the god of Pan was one of the ones that was worshipped there. And there was, some, there was a lot of bad stuff going on there. It was a lot worse than Vegas, okay? It was really bad. Um, not that Vegas is always bad, amen. But um, in that place, there was a rock that was like 100 feet high, just this huge stone. And in the same area, and this is told by historians, you know, and people go, well, that, what do historians what? But you believe about Julius Caesar, right? You believe all these things you read in textbooks, amen? But then people want to question this. Duh! What year is it? 2016. Why? Because 2016 years ago, something happened. Amen. Jesus. But people want to question about Jesus, but they don't want to question some textbook that they read in some high school that's been changed a hundred times. This book has never been changed. First of all, it was written by Jews, and Jews are very particular. That's why we're really good accountants and lawyers. Oh, let's be honest here. 
Because detail matters. And numbers matter. And this book is the most reliable book on the face of the earth. But somehow it's not taught anywhere. Except in church. It's been totally taken out of schools. There was a time where this was like the standard of education. Come on now. So when I tell you a historian says something, do you believe it more than when I say the Bible says something? I mean, but people do. So I'll just tell you, historians back this up. That in this area, there was a temple to, there were different temples made of stone, big temples to different gods. And in one place, there was just a stone that, that God had made. It was just part of creation. And beneath that huge stone was a cave, and it was a scary cave. You know why? Because when they dropped the plumb line down into that cave and there was water way down the bottom, it never reached bottom. There was no bottom. Now, I guess they didn't have rope long enough to find it, but I know nobody wanted to jump in there. Amen? And they would literally call the entrance to that cave the gates of Hades because people believed that the God, this God, Pan, would go into that cave, go down to hell, and come back. And a lot of times we see hell as some cave, some, some, but we all see it as a bottomless pit, amen? And none of us really want to go there when we die, do we? But let's move on. <laughs> so Jesus came into this region for a reason. He didn't have to, he was about to, Talk about the most important thing, that, 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 that everything that the church stands on, everything that our salvation stands on. The most important conversation he would have with his disciples up until that point, and he chose to do it in front of the greatest place of idolatry and sin that he could find around Israel. There was a reason he went there, and there's a reason that Grace Church is in North Brunswick. There's a reason that God is in this region. Amen? Did you know that this is his church? The name of my message today is, Whose Church Is It? You know, when God called me to start this church in North Brunswick in a hotel room, I didn't know where we were going to end up and what was going to happen. But look where we are. We need to knock the walls down. And I'm not 100% sure where we're going next, but I know this. God came into this region for a reason. He doesn't make mistakes. So then Jesus went on. I told you I'm going to be quick. Jesus went on, and he said, and you know why I want to be quick? You know why? Because I'm going to tell you something. My favorite part about church is people. My favorite part about church is people. I love people. And man, we got some different people here. Just take a look around. <laughs> In that disco song, Funky Town, they were talking about this church. This is Funky Town. But it's a good town. It's a great church. It's an awesome place to be. In the next part of verse 13, he says to his disciples, who do men say that I am. And isn't that the ultimate question? There's no more important question on the face of the earth than this. 
who do men say I am? Actually, there is one more important question than that, and I'm going to share it with you in a second. And they said, some say John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist, didn't Jesus and John the Baptist minister at the same time? Yeah. But the, the people that were saying it, they were ignorant. And many people you talk to about Jesus are just plain ignorant. They'll tell you something, and then you'll say, did you read the Bible? No. Well, where'd you get that idea? I'll tell you where they got it from other men. Because it doesn't matter what men say. It matters what God says. Our ideas and opinions will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Then some said, Elijah, why? Because Elijah was a miracle worker. And they were like, well, Jesus is a miracle worker. And you think, wow, that's a nice thing to say about Jesus. Jesus is much more than that. And others said, Jeremiah or one of the prophets, you know, you know someone that speaks warnings and, and, and you, know, you know, a call to change and a, and a call to repent and come back to God. And that's wonderful too. And Jesus did do that, but he's much more than that. It says he's all of that and a bag of chips. You always say that, honey. I don't even, I have no, is that like something to do with Panera? Like you order and then you get a bag of chips? I don't get it. All of that and a bag of chips. But, um, so he said to them, who do you say that I am? How many of you share the gospel with people? <laughs> How many of you have spent hours sharing the gospel with someone? How many of you did somebody spend hours sharing the gospel with you? I know Pastor John's testimony took them all night to get you, didn't it? Oh, you were stubborn, but they got you. <laughs> and the more stubborn you were, the greater a warrior you will be for the kingdom of God. Amen? Who do you say? And many times when I share the gospel with people, here's where we end up. Well, what about the people in that tribe? They don't have a TV, they don't have a Bible, they never heard about Jesus. What about them? Always get to that. I always get to that. Because people want to, like, show their concern for everybody. For some tribe of people, they don't know who they are, but they care about them so much. No, no, no. Who do you say that I am? Jesus looks you in the face and says, who do you say that I am? Because you know what? When you die and you meet Jesus, how many of you know that when you die, you're going to meet Jesus? There's not going to be some tribe with you saying, yeah, we didn't know either. No, no, no. It's going to be you and him. And he's going to say, do you remember? See, here's the thing. You know what about that tribe that hasn't heard? It's none of your business. Because you don't know. But guess what? Now that you've been here in Grace Church here, an International Sunday, guess what? Now it's your business. You know why? Because I just told you. So now you're on the hook. So he'll say, you remember that loud preacher in North Brunswick that screamed at you and said, who do you say I am? That was me talking through him asking you a question. So you have no excuse now who do you say that he is and he answered Simon Peter answered he said you are the Christ the 
Son of the living God. Wow. You are the Christ, the Son of the li No wonder he picked that town, because there was a bunch of dead gods behind him. Peter was looking at Jesus. Probably, you know, Jesus would do that. When he, asked, when he said he was the light of the world, he was there in Jerusalem when the, all the lights in Jerusalem were on. People, it was a Jewish holiday, and everybody had a light on. And people would be able to see that light from far away. And he said, I am the light of the world. He wanted to give you an, op an opportunity to see with your eyes the contrast of what it is. So there were dead gods in that city. It was a place of deep sin and idolatry. And that's where he said, who do you say I am? And he said, not only are you the Christ, but he said something really powerful. He said, you're the son of the living God. I mean, you know that God is alive. He's not dead. He's not a statue. He's alive. And you can have a relationship. You can't have a relationship with something dead. You can't have a relationship with a rock. Can't do it. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is asking you today a question. Who do you say that he is? Now, you can, <laughs> you can answer that question honestly. And if you don't know who he is, you can pray and find out who he is later when we have the altar call. Yes, you can by your choice of speaking. Today could be that day for you. It's like a decision you could make today. I'm so thankful I made that decision 27 or 28 years ago. I couldn't even count anymore. I'm just glad that I did it. But here's the thing. It says in the Bible and Philippians and other books of the Bible that one day every knee is going to bow to Jesus. And every tongue is going to confess. It's just, it's just not talking about believers, everybody. That means the people that don't know Jesus will have to bow as well. You can bow now or you can bow later, but you're going to bow. I said you can bow now or you can bow later, but you're going to bow. You can bow now or you can bow later, but you are going to bow. And the second bow is much worse than the first. <laughs> so you can bow now and live the abundant life now. You can bow now and have the son of the living God be your friend, your brother, your mediator now. Because if you do it later, you'll slip into that cave that has no bottom. I don't know about you, but I don't want to jump in. Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is in Mark chapter 8. This is right after this revelation. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of, his, of the Father with his holy angels. Jesus is coming back. Don't let that be the first time you meet him. Jesus is coming back. Don't let that be the first time you meet him. When Jesus comes back, let it be like, oh, here you are. Not be like, oh, no, here he is. 
Know him now. We heard a powerful message at the Fresh Fire Ministries yesterday. It was know Jesus. And Pastor Janice was saying, to some people, it's N-O, know Jesus. To others, it's K-N-O-W, know Jesus. I suggest the one with the K. Amen? Then in verse 17, Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus said, Peter, man, this, this wasn't your doing. This was God in your heart. And you know what's amazing? God will speak through you, and you don't even know it. When he asked Peter that, Peter didn't say, okay, hold on, I want to fast and pray before I answer this. Hold on, let me call Pastor John and Pastor Kevin and see what they say in Sunday school. No, no, no. He answered. And Jesus said, that's a God answer. That's a God-inspired answer. Do you know sometimes you just say something and it's from God, and you don't even know it? Like if my daughter says, I want to marry an unbeliever, I say, no, that's from God. Amen? Just say it. <laughs> you know, but sometimes you'll say something you won't even know. Like somebody here asked somebody to marry them, and they were like, what did I just say? Oh, my God. And now you're married. It was God. Because you were scared to get married, but one day you just said it. That's how it happened to me. Actually, she said it. She asked me to marry her, and I go, that's not from God. And now I know it is from God. No, the, what was from God is I said, okay. <laughs> that was obviously from God. Because I'm so blessed to have you. Am I in any trouble today? Because I really, I've been pushing the limit from the first service to here. I've been pushing the limit. Last week, I pushed past the Kevin, remember? I pushed him last week. You push, you push, you, you can't push somebody too far. You got to pull it back. But you know what's really interesting about Peter? Right after this, he says this great revelation. Then Jesus says, okay, now I got to go to the cross and die. And Peter's like, no, no, no. And Jesus says, get behind me, devil. <laughs> Shut up, Satan. The same person that just spoke a, a revelation from God spoke for the devil. It's like, it's like my wife, like she's constantly saying all these spiritual, powerful things that are obviously from God, and I'm like, shoot, why'd she get it first? And then she says something like, we need new furniture. That's from the devil. Isn't that, guys, guys, is that the last thing you ever want to hear? Hey, guys, come on. Because you know what new furniture means? That means new walls, new floors, new houses, new backyards. It's obviously from the devil. Oh, God, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in our living room, and I go, we need new furniture in her presence. And I was like, get thee behind me, Satan. What are you saying? Listen to, look at your mouth move. Stop it. What am I doing? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he said, and... On this rock, on this revelation, on this rock, 
I will build my church. I'm not going to get into the whole rock thing today. I don't feel like talking about rocks, okay? But the rock is not Peter. Even though Peter, you know, after you denied the girl three times and the church did start, he was the first preacher. But Peter wasn't perfect. He didn't want to let the Gentiles in. Peter was not the rock. He was not the rock. Jesus is the rock. And the revelation of who he is is the rock. Let me tell you something. People don't get up at 6 in the morning to set up for International Sunday unless they got a revelation. You know what I'm saying? Like when Pastor Cordy says, hey, uh, we need you to help set up for International Sunday. Oh, what time do I have to be there? Oh, 7 a.m. Oh, me. My only day to sleep, you want me to? <laughs> no, you got to have a revelation. When Grace Church started, everybody wasn't on board. I had to have a revelation. I had to go to that hotel, bring the nursery, bring the sound system, set it up by myself, meet the cranky lady at the hotel who said, no, you're not in that room tonight. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, you're in that room where they had the party last night where the throw-up is and the dishes are all undone. Wonderful. you got to have a revelation. You've got to have a revelation of who he is. And it's, that's what the rock is. But whose church is it? Whose church is it? Whose church is it? <laughs> People... I will build my church. People are like, oh, your church is so beautiful, Pastor Joe. I go, that is not my church. That is a curse coming out of your mouth. Does that mean I was responsible for everything that happened in church? And I am definitely not responsible for everything that goes on in here. Amen? We're at this conference yesterday, and all these people are, all these clergy pastors, it was amazing, they, they had a, Question and answer time, and it was called, uh, they were talking about issues. And he said, the issue, the, what did he say about the issue? The issue, issue. Anyway, but <laughs> they, were, they were talking to the clergy about the different problems that the clergy has, and the, it was called clergy got issues. So when I got up to speak, I said, that's a great idea. I'm bringing it back to my church, and I'm going to call it congregation got issues. Yes, congregation got issues, and they're not all my issues. They're his issues to deal with because I can't, because this isn't my church. This isn't our church. It's his church. And he's building his church. Let me ask you a question. Whose church is it? Are you helping him build it? Peter said it. We come to a living stone. Rejected by men, that's Jesus, 1 Peter 2, 4, 5, but chosen by God. See, Peter himself, the one that some people try to say, he was the rock that they built it on. He said, no, I'm not. He said, Jesus is the living stone, precious, but we're living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Peter was one of the stones. How many of you know you're a stone? you're a living stone. See, once your heart was stone, but when you put, made Jesus Lord and Savior, your heart became flesh. Then you became a living stone, built up. And so Jesus is talking about that, and right behind him, there's this 
huge stone. Huge stone, probably stone upon stone upon stone that was created by God. And that's a picture of what the church is. Living stones coming to the living stone who get his life. And we are being built up. (laughs) Church is a place for you to be built up. Amen? Not to be taken down. So don't come into church and bring people down. Build them up. Amen? Stir them to good works. Build them up. Because out there, out there we're getting taken down. You know, uh, my career on Wall Street, Wall Street was like, it's like a dog-eat-world place. And I'll tell you, with all the stuff I was doing, I couldn't wait till Sunday. Because at least on Sunday, we're there to build one another up. Because all week, they're trying to tear you down. How many of you feel like when Monday comes, you're like, here, I'm back to the war. But listen, we're living stones in a spiritual house a holy priesthood. We're here to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through his son, Jesus Christ. He is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. Peter said he's the cornerstone. He's the rock. And you can see it in the image that was in that region of this huge rock, this huge just monument of rock, and under it was the gates of Hades. What keeps you from there? It's the cornerstone of that cliff. It is that rock. Either you're on the rock or you're going to be under the rock. So he said, I will build my church. The word for church is ecclesia. In Spanish, it's iglesia. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Ecclesia is a Greek word that comes from ek and kaleo. It means with a calling with a calling. And Peter goes on to say that we should declare the praises of him who called us out of the darkness into his wonderful lights. Once you weren't a people of God, but now you are. It says, in, Peter said, you're his special people. Look at the person next to you and say, you're special. Honey, look at me. Tell me I'm special. Oh, I love you. I'm going to come kiss you in a second. (laughs) See, his idea of church is not a building. It's people. How many of you just love people? Don't lie. Yeah, at least we got some honest people here. You know what happens to the people in church, why the church isn't full everywhere? It's because of a person that you get mad at or offended at. You don't understand. God has called us all here. We're different, but we're the same. We are to build his church, and how do we do it? It's not by bricks and mortar and more wood and more Even though we're going to blow this church out, it's going to be bigger. You know why? We're making it bigger for a reason. Not so we can have a big building. So we can have more people. More stones. Because the answer to every problem is always another person. People are there to help. 
I can't tell you how many people I know in the church that got a job from somebody else, that got somebody they needed help. Ricky went through all this stuff. We bought meals to his house. We always help. If a woman's pregnant, man, that family's going to get fat because they're going to eat so much because people in the church bring them food, and Christians, for some reason, always bring you too much food. I don't know why. Is it generous? Amen. Maybe they want to stay and eat with you. <laughs> but people, you know, how did I, as a high school dropout, even get on Wall Street into a trading pit? It was because of some guy who was my Sandlot League football coach who I hadn't talked to in years just called me up and said, hey, you want a job on the trading floor? I was like, I almost leapt out of my seat. I had just gotten saved. I was like, wow, this thing really works. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> People are calling me. And they will. They will. If you can believe it. I was so dumb back then, I believed everything about God. It's better sometimes to be just stupid. <laughs> it's really just, it's better to have stupid faith than no faith. Amen? And it's funny. So years later, when I needed to get out of Wall Street, but I didn't want to lose my stocks that I owned in my company, and I wanted to get out, all of a sudden, this guy just in management got fired, and, and a new guy came in. And he interviewed all of us. I was a senior VP at the time, but um, not acting like one. I was just a regular. I just, I had a title, but I didn't act like I had a title. But he comes, it's the first day there, and he says, hey, I need to talk to each employee. And he says, okay. He says, hey, Pastor Joe. That's it. He said, Joe. I was like, I'm Pastor Joe. No. He said, hey, Joe. <laughs> he said, hey, so, so what do you want to do? And I go, I want to get the heck out of here. Within two weeks, they bought me out. And you know what? Two months later, he left the company. He was at the company for three months. Came in. His name is Rick Nelson. He's like a CEO of some company. Right now. Comes in. And to this day, we joke. I go, yep, you only got that job to get me out. One person. One person. You look around. There's resources everywhere here. My wife's been suffering from something called heel spurs. Anybody know what that is? It's like when you get a spur, like on your foot, and like you walk around, you keep hearing spurs. No, a heel spur is some kind of painful thing, right, hon? It's like just a foot problem. So somebody in our church, Jamel, heard about it. Anybody who knows who Jamel is? Jamel is a physical therapist. So one day, Jamel's coming over to the house. You know, I want to see how he does this thing. He comes to the house. He's got this little thing in his hand, and he goes, whoosh. And it was like a table. So they did it in my backyard, and, they, and, and Alicia, she loved, she put the water fountain on so you could hear the sound of the water. I go, this ain't physical therapy. This is a massage right here. So she's laying on that thing, and you hear the water, and there's Jamel rubbing her feet like this. And I, I you know how you just say things, and I was like, I'm next. And then I came back to the house, and I'm like, I'm not next. I have no man rubbing my feet. I don't want no man touching me. I don't like when men rub my back. I don't like when men come up and they want to give me that kiss. Uh-uh. Holy kiss somebody else. I don't want no holy kiss. You can give me a hug. Don't get too close. But don't you dare touch my feet. How many? <laughs> so, so. It's like when you go, how many of you men have gotten a pedicure before? Come on, be honest, be honest. Let's raise your hand. I've done it. I've done it. Amen, Lamont. Thank you, brother. We got some honest people here. 
But we only go with our wives. Amen? It's like you go into that, into that salon with your wife. You're like with your wife. It's like, yeah, I'm just hanging out with her, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what do I do? What? Oh, put my feet in there. Oh, okay. Is that how it works? Manicure, do I want some, some girl rubbing my hand and making, and, 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 yeah, 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 go ahead, give me a manicure. Do a little extra that rubbing thing. So anyway, <laughs> I love, so the next thing you know, Vera Jackson hears about it. So Jamel's at Vera's house with the table, whoosh, rubbing her feet. This dude's rubbing everybody's wife's feet in the church. After the first service, he was mobbed out there. There was wives everywhere. Do you make house calls? <laughs> Gosh, man. Rubbing the feet. But do you feel better? Yeah. But I heard you feel better, huh? Yeah. No, no. I was talking about this in the first service, right? And I was in the office there, and Mrs. Vera Jackson's talking to Jamal like, when are you coming? When are you bringing the table? I'm like, dang. But you see, it's people. It's people to help you. Jamal's business is going to increase. I don't know why. But praise God. Isn't that what we're here for, to help one another? You better get used to people. So listen to me. We're at this conference yesterday. I was so honored to preach there. If you saw the flyer, I was that one white person. <laughs> Everybody see that? <laughs> You got to have some filling in there, baby. You got to have something. So <laughs> people were coming up to me and saying, I saw you clear as day on that flyer. <laughs> but these were people we used to go to church with. It was awesome, man. They had, oh, after going through it, I decided we're going to have Gospel Sunday at Grace Church. I want to take it back. I want to take it back over there. But when I preach, you're going to have to yell and scream and jump up out of your chair and wear big hats. Because if nobody comes here with a hat on, I ain't doing it. But I was back in like a place, you know, where I learned how to preach with my people. It was absolutely amazing. And at one point, they had that clergy got issues. And it was all African-American pastors, men and women up there. And you know, with all the stuff going on in the world, in America... This junk. And these guys, I'll tell you, them women were fired up. They were, you know, and it was just great wisdom. Some of our leaders came. We just got such good wisdom. Get ready because you're going to get some of it. Anyway, one of the pastors was saying, you know, the problem in this country, it starts in the church because the church is segregated. So in other words, you got the black church, you got the Puerto Rican church, you got the white church, you got the Korean church, you got the Chinese church. He was saying, that's the problem. The problem is on Sunday. And I'm sitting there, man, and I'm leaping in my heart. I'm leaping in my spirit. 
I couldn't wait to get that mic. I took it away from him. You got to see. You get 12 passes in a room and there's one mic, you got a war. But anyway, it was my time. <laughs> it was my time to speak. I said, I just want to let you know, everybody here, I want to let you know something. Grace Church of North Brunswick is the most diverse church in New Jersey in a tri-state area. And I'll put money on it. And I can brag on that. And I will. Because when I end this service, you're going to go out and taste food that you've never even heard of. Some of it you're going to be like, no, I don't want any of that. Because it's from some place you don't know. We got empanadas from every country. How many empanadas could the world have? The Filipinos are making something called poo-poo or pupu or something. I don't want to eat poo-poo, okay? What is it called? What? Nupia, I don't know. <laughs> then you got meat pies and chicken pies. You got matzah with cream cheese and salt. How exciting. But I said, I belong to the most diverse church there is. And here's what came to my mind, everybody. When I was talking yesterday, Revelation 7-9. Because I have quoted and preached about this scripture so many times. I love it because it's kind of cool. Because you see, like, everybody's in heaven and they got white robes on with palm branches. It's like a cult. You know what I'm saying? We used to, when we were a smaller church, we had something called White Sunday. It wasn't about white and race. It was about wearing all white. Guess what? I didn't come that Sunday. Do you remember that? I didn't come on a white Sunday. Everybody's dressed in white. Imagine you were visiting here today, and you came in, and everyone was dressed in white, including the pastor. Now, let's even make it more incredible. It's Palm Sunday. So everybody's dressed in white, and they're holding a branch, a green branch. And, and you get in early, and you see people coming in like this, dressed in white, with green branches. You're going to be like, Lord Jesus, i got to get out of here. And, and you know what? When you say new first-time visitors, you don't got to raise your hand. We know who you are. You're not dressed in white, and you're not carrying a tree. So I'm looking at this, and I'm like, really? But here's the thing we got to see here. In heaven, it's going to be people from all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. It's going to be totally diverse, but everybody's going to be dressed in the same robe, carrying a palm branch. Because what unites us is not our skin color or our ethnic backgrounds or anything else. It's have we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we are washed clean of our sin. We are dressed in white. We are children of the living God. Finally, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Now, gates do not walk. <laughs> you know, it's like the gates of hell won't. Here come the gates of hell. Everyone look out. Gates of hell are coming. No, the gates of hell are the entrance. That's A gate is an entrance. It's death. 
literally in the Greek translation to the Aramaic, it means the realm of death is what the gates of hell are. And when Jesus was telling them this, there was a rock, and then there was the gates to hell. The only thing that keeps you from the gates of hell is the rock, Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith and trust, we sang a song earlier that I hold on to the rock. See, that rock will keep you from there. That's what, that's, that's what keeps you from the gates of hell. So guess what? Death has no control over you. Death does not win. Death has no sting. It has been swallowed up in victory. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to any cave that has no bottom. As a matter of fact, I'm not going in any caves. I'm scared of caves. I don't like caves. I don't like clowns. You see this new thing? Like they're like in the forest, there's like clowns. Now, I'd rather like the Loch Ness Monster come after me than a clown. I don't like clowns. I don't like painted faces. None of that stuff. Point being, I'm not going to the gates of hell. Has no control over me. When I die, I'm going to be in that church in heaven. I'm going to have a palm branch in my hand. I'll be hanging out, and I'll be hanging out with you. People from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. My question to you today, we're done. We're going to go enjoy ourselves. But my question to you today is this. Who do you say that he is? And whose church is it? Let's bow our heads. I want to make sure everyone here is being built on the foundation of the rock. <laughs> I love that song, the rock that is higher than I. It's like that rock that they saw in that region. It was higher. It was above the gates of hell. The gates of hell cannot prevail against those of us that put our faith and trust in Jesus. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we, be, we go from a dead stone to a living stone that's being built up in a temple, which is his church, his church. And we do it by saying a prayer because Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. He said, I will take a heart of flesh, a heart of stone, and turn it into a heart of flesh. And we do it by praying. So close your eyes, bow your head with me. And I want you to think, who do you say he is? I want to tell you who he is. He's Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Time was changed because of him. He raised people from the dead. He helped the blind to see, the lame to walk. He then died on the cross. His blood was shed for our sin. We deserve that penalty, but he took it. And because we put our faith in him as that sacrifice, our sins are totally forgiven. We cross over from death to life. We live forever. We will be, and starting now, are in the eternal church, which is the gathering of people that put their faith in Jesus. And we can live that abundant life now. So say this prayer. Say, Father... I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. His blood was shed so I could be forgiven. I believe that. Jesus, you're the son of the living God. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Make me brand new. Change me forever. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Every eye is closed, head is bowed. If you're not 100% sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, I want you to think about this for a second because here is your opportunity. Remember what Jesus said. If you're ashamed of me on earth, I will be ashamed of you when I return with my angels. What he's saying is if you will publicly confess him, it says the angels in heaven rejoice. You'll have eternal life. So if you said that prayer for the first time and you meant it, you want to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand high right now so I can see it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on! Come on! Hallelujah. 